1: This week's episode is brought to you by the acclaimed hit comedy The Big Bang Theory from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. NPR's Linda Holmes calls The Big Bang Theory a show that makes me laugh with a bunch of performances I admire. And TV Guide magazine proclaims that heading into its second decade, Big Bang is still delivering big laughs with great character comedy for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk.
2: Today we'll be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Actor in a Drama Series. Plus, you'll hear my interview with Claire Foy from The Crown and Dominic's interview with the cast and creator of One Day at a Time from our annual Emmy Contenders event.
1: But before we get into that, we're going to talk about... I say this is actually... Except when it comes to Best Drama, this is one of the biggies. Best actor in a dramatic series, in a drama series for the Emmys. Now, last year's winner was Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us, which was a highly emotional moment, I think, for everyone who saw it, and a highly emotional moment for all those millions and millions of fans of This Is Us, and a real knockout, TKO, actually, for, uh, for network TV to be back on the, back on the charts. Yeah. This year, I think it's going to be a lot different. It's going to be a lot different. There's a lot coming on, and one of the things that's coming on is, of course, Game of Thrones is back, and that yeah. means that Kit Harington and maybe even other members of that that uh, that huge HBO show are going to be in play this year.
2: And Kit Harington actually was in supporting before, and now is moving up to lead. We believe. I never understood why
1: he was in supporting. I mean, yeah. I, I certainly understood it maybe a couple of seasons ago, but right. Game of Thrones is all about who's going to be the king of the north. I yeah. mean, that that is what it's about. Kit should be in best in in uh, for best actor and i have to say he's been doing exceptional work so there's no way there's no way he couldn't be i mean the the season that they're looking at for eligibility for the hbo show it is one of the few shows that literally grew in that season as opposed to left even walking dead which is still one of the biggest shows if not the biggest show on television is losing viewers everyone loses viewers just ask empire but game of thrones they gain they hit new highs with that last season so I well, mean, people were
2: hungry to see it again. It had been off. And so uh, that was a, a big reason why there was a lot of uh, anticipation of where it would go. And but it let, certainly— but,
1: you know, genre shows up until when Game of Thrones won, big yeah. snubs. Right. Now, a- almost, you know, as you and I have talked about before, almost the norm. But here's why I think actually might be more interesting about this category. Not so much who's going to be a part of it. Yeah. But who's going to be left out? And I'll tell you who I think is going to be left out. Kevin Spacey. Well, (laughs) pretty close there, my friend. Thanks. I'd like to take the big bet. You you take the big bet for that one. I also think, um, I do not think Mr. Robot Rami is coming back.
2: He didn't come back last
1: year. Exactly. You take the big bet, too. I take for that one. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think that uh, Liv Schreiber for Ray Donovan is coming back. Oh, you don't? Know, no, I, you know. s- I sort of think they really like him. I, I think they really like him, but and I, you know, I think, the, I the think whole... that they I think they like him, and now they maybe just like he him He has that... been
2: so talked about this year in terms of uh, Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer and everything, being the fixer. They always call him his Ray Donovan. I think Ray Donovan has become something in the zeitgeist all of a sudden.
1: Well, so... I think about Ray Donovan, but see, that's the thing. I think Ray yeah. Donovan always was something in the zeitgeist. If you yeah. live in, in L.A., if you live in Hollywood, the show hit home very, very close a lot of times. If you're like me, you're someone who transplanted from back east, it hits home even more, especially certain family backgrounds. But I just don't I just feel like three times i mean look i I think the man's a great actor i'm not going to argue with that but i just don't think in what's a competitive a highly competitive field this year with game of thrones back with the americans in its final season with jk simmons and counterpoint where he actually counterpart where he plays two roles in that star series and of course you know oscar pedigee always goes a long way right i just don't feel Feel it for him.
2: Yeah, and remember, Bob Odenkirk's not back this year either. Oh yeah, you know, and Anthony Hopkins won't be back in this category, so yeah. we have room for new blood in this category. That's why I think there's still room for some old blood, like Liev uh, Schreiber. But you know who I really like um, is Jason Bateman in Ozark. Uh, I think shown... I
1: think there's going to be a lot of a lot of sympathy. He's there a, and a lot TV of people.
2: veteran, yeah. known for comedy, also well beyond. This on. was his
1: baby. This yeah, was his baby. And, he and, also... and also, I got to I got to tell you, Jason. Right now, if you're opening an envelope in Hall. Hollywood, jason will come by to see i mean he is taking he's doing the ben affleck campaign yeah and, and look that campaign works yes. don't argue with it like right. if you show up you gain yeah. a lot of a lot of credit with people and yeah jason but, yeah. shows up and he has arrested development coming back on yeah, too
2: exactly uh, and so you know with with those two things going for him i think maybe it's his time because he's been around forever in television people don't realize how long 40 years or something like that so uh it may be his time for a nomination you know who else i really like yeah. Freddie
1: Highmore. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think he's great in oh, a yeah. very yeah. difficult role. And, and he never got nominated for Bates Motel. Never! So I, feel, so I feel like people feel like it's his turn at bat. Totally. I, I don't think he'll win. I don't think he'll win no. for The Good Doctor. Yeah. But I think he definitely is going to get nominated. Yeah, and uh,
2: Doctors at least tend to get nominated in their first season. Oh, no, no,
1: People who play Doctors. Not I, yes. real well, doctors. Well, you know, and. I believe mm-hmm. they are real. I know you do. I know you do. I know. Do. I know. <laughs> but we've seen this uh, repeatedly
2: with the Doctors. The last Doctor to actually win, though? Do you know who it was? Because Mr. House, you know, he lost. Marcus Welby. Marcus Welby, very good. Robert Young, I think Ding. he was the last one, yeah. <laughs> and uh, don't write letters if we're wrong here. I'm just we're wrong off the top of my head. Did Clooney
1: never get nominated?
2: Clooney never got won? nominated, he never but he won? never won the Emmy. No, none of those Denied. guys did. Grey's Anatomy never won the Emmy. Um, so, wow. you know, yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that a good trivia thing?
1: You're I think, very good at trivia. I, I, think think I, never, would, I would never would take you on. I mean, I can't believe I actually knew that one. It, it was like the ghost in the machine known as my brain I came to life.
2: I think in terms of this category, it was Robert Young, but we can check that. But Marcus anyway, Willing. we're gonna say it anyway. M.D. Marcus Well. Yeah, Willing. and it doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter. It sounds good.
1: Do you think Do you think that This Is Us guys are in play?
2: Uh, of course they are. Sterling, again, I'm gonna go with, if you give it to them one year, the next year they're likely gonna be the favorite. Sterling K. Brown has pretty much swept all of these categories since the Emmys, too. And there was that
1: highly, highly emotional Super Bowl episode. That's right. Which really, which, I mean, Pivoted between all the actors, but I think that his particular segment in that was very, very strong. Um, and he'll be up against, possibly again, Milo
2: Ventimiglia. I don't know. But, I mean, they, he had a big season in terms of the whole revelations about how his House character. Fire. Yeah. House fire. Uh, right. Yeah. There you go. People, so, I
1: do think Emmy voters like it when people die. They do. And yeah. it's a, it's a big thing. I'm not being cold about that. I'm being Oscar voters, too. It's yep. a big ticket to the uh, Oh, you're gold. playing to our, to our attempt to get Oscar talk going <laughs> again. Aren't you? Yes. Here we go. <laughs> um, here we go. But, but, yeah, Pete so, and I are self-promoting on our own podcast. <laughs> I
2: think uh, those two are uh, also possible. And uh, what about old Matt Smith from The Crown? Or no. is he hurt by the fact that he made more money? I than think Claire? I
1: think the pay inequality issue will hurt him. I and always, help Claire. As I, you help, said I think before. it will help Claire, as we talked about on a previous podcast. But I also think too. Um, I think that show. I think The Crown is is about the ladies. I really do. I think it's mm-hmm. about with, with the except. I mean, that first season, obviously. Obviously, right. John Lithgow won for Winston Churchill. But, I, I mean, I, I do think season two was really the season of Princess Margaret and, of course, uh, Queen Elizabeth herself, and I think that that's where the emphasis will be here.
2: Okay. And so, of course, Matthew Reese for the Americans you mentioned. That's yeah. his last yeah. season there, last chance for him, so he'll probably get in. What about some of these names? You mentioned J.K. Simmons, but other new ones like Jonathan Groff and Mindhunter. Um, and, well, look, I uh, mean,
1: my, I mean I, I'm i a little confused in many ways because I think that both the guys from Mindhunter, uh, I think— Holt should also be on this, too. Okay. I, mean, I, think, I mean, I don't think you can look at Jonathan. I mean, I know there are a lot of Hamilton fans out there, and, you know, yeah. man won a Tony. But I, I don't think you can look at either of them and say that they are not the lead compared to the other. That's true. Um I think it's like that this is us with Milo and, and Sterling. So I think you have to uh yeah, I think Holt's got a very good chance, actually. A Holt. very good chance. Holt, so you don't think Jonathan
2: Groff's gonna be in the room where it happens?
1: Uh that's not where it is, but he will he'll be back. <laughs>
2: he'll be back. Okay, what about Jason Mitchell, who was so good in straight out of Compton? I really liked him yeah, in that. I don't
1: know. I don't know. I don't. Think I haven't the, seen the show yet. I don't think that's where uh, the shy is going to lie right now. Okay. I, I think that's more. It's that's going to be more behind the camera. I think. Right. Same thing. I think with the alienist. Uh, well, no. I think Dakota Fanning actually might have a very good chance with the alienist. But I think I don't think I don't think the, the guys will again. It, also, because I think like like the crown. I think the show the show is about her. I don't think it's yes. really about them. I think yeah. I think they're a part of it and they're great. Daniel Daniel and and Luke Evans are great. But I think it's about about her.
2: Okay, and she's good, and you know she's and, great. Uh, and so is Elle Fanning, but she's not in that show. Yeah, yes, okay. yes. I
1: mean, I think more than I think. You know, when you look at when you look the Fanning sisters. Yes, um, fan. The, we are a fan of the Fanning sisters. Okay. Um, I think right. when you look at the best actor in a, in a drama series for the Emmys, I think really you talk about the uh, the repeat, and you're 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 a big player on that one. And you know yeah. what the thing is, you're right a lot about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of things here really have to do with the Sterling K. Brown factor and how strong that's going to be. And everybody is either in the shadow of that or they're running for their own spotlight. Very possible. Very possible. Having said a big spotlight, we'd like to give you a word from our scientifically inclined sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by the acclaimed hit comedy The Big Bang Theory from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. NPR's Linda Holmes calls The Big Bang Theory a show that makes me laugh with a bunch of performances I admire. And TV Guide magazine proclaims that heading into its second decade, Big Bang is still delivering big laughs with great character comedy for your Emmy consideration in all categories.
2: And now, uh, get sit back and listen to my interview with Claire Foy, of course, the star of The Crown, and now she's becoming a very big movie star, but she's going to be Emmy-bound this year again for this, and there's a reason why, so listen to our interview. I just got back from CinemaCon, where you were on stage in that vast uh, Caesar's Palace, and, uh, you know, uh, talking about two new movies that you're uh, in, uh, mm-hmm. First Man from Damien Chazelle, the mm-hmm. Oscar-winning director, and then taking on Lisbeth Sal- you know, mm. Salander in um, The Girl in, in the Spider's Web. Mm. So this is exciting. This is a whole...
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a whole new world. A whole new world, right? Yeah. That, I didn't think I really realized until I went to CinemaCon that I kind of... Um, the films I'd sort of been part of. I know it sounds silly, but because you make the movie, and you're away, and you're shooting, and you're so involved in the world of it, and then I went and kind of looked at the on the big screen and looked at the trailers, and I was just like, gosh, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both coming out at the same time, um, yeah. So it's they are. I mean they're both for the fall, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was gonna be absolutely sick of it. It's
2: got to be a little overwhelming, this just sudden like movie stardom uh, for mm-hmm. you, you know, after doing The Crown and everything. Everybody was predicting it, and it's mm-hmm. happening.
0: Well, I mean, let's see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't, it, to me it doesn't really, f- it's weird. Um, I think if I hadn't been working for as long as I have and um, had the experience I had I think I probably would be kind of um, having an existential crisis (laughs) but because it's still none of the movies I have done feel unlike anything I've ever done before if that makes sense. I think the crown of all things was the kind of most the job where I was really kind of surprised or amazed by and then these other two films have felt very natural and much like everything I've ever done before, really. Um, I think that's because of the directors that I'm working with, really.
2: Probably. Your films are so good. I love Breathe, and oh, um, yes, so and we right. had Andy Circus sit right here, mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew Garfield uh, has has been in this chair too, and I'm so happy to have you finally here too. But that was a wonderful little movie, I thought, and Circus oh, did a it. wonderful job directing. your are playing like you do in The Crown. Mm-hmm. someone who's very real and very alive. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was interesting, maybe a, a, a different kind of challenge for an actor to know.
0: Yeah, I think that was a very different thing to doing The Crown because I, that was like an extraordinary experience making that film and I never, um, I don't ever expect to have an experience like that before. again because it was a family film. We were making a film about the producer's father and his mother's relationship with yeah. the father and and I it was a bit the family they are the Cavendishes, and that story and what they've been through anyway made it just the most special extraordinary um experience it really was kind of um I don't ever expect to repeat that
2: when you do that or when you play Queen Elizabeth um y- you know I'm probably not with Queen Elizabeth but with um Diana Cavendish, did you meet with her? Did you have a kind of relationship before you started uh, shooting? Yeah, Yeah, that was,
0: and I've I've played, you know, um, Janet Armstrong that I play in First Man. Yes, another one. I didn't meet Janet. Um, I really wanted to, um, but she lives, you know, in America and I lived in England, and there was, you know, a hurricane and all sorts of kind of things that prevented us from ever meeting, but I met her sons and things like that. But with Diana, it was very, um, I, was sort of nervous to meet her purely because I wanted to do her justice. And I felt like that about Janet as well. It's not that I didn't feel like that about playing um, Elizabeth, but it's, I really didn't want to, I wanted to do justice to this incredible person. It was out of respect and admiration for how amazing I I thought she was. I wanted to do her justice, not just because I was like, I want to do a good performance. It's just, (laughs) you want to honor that person and how amazing they are. I think Andrew felt like that as well because Robin was this kind of the sort of person, the worst sort of person that you could possibly ever get to play as an actor. <laughs> they say, you can't describe him. He's the most extraordinary person you've ever met in your life. <laughs> yeah. and you're there going, okay, great. So I'm gonna play that person. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, it you. is
2: an amazing story that here's yeah. this man who's li- like literally living breath to breath mm. and on a, on a machine that he basically invents. Yeah, And she, equally amazing, you know, just had that will to keep going. Other people might have walked away or something, mm. you know. and. It was just an extraordinary love story yeah,
0: yeah but a really real story I think yeah. that's the thing is that I'm reading a book at the moment actually which actually I have just started reading which is amazing um, and it's about the course of love and it's about how that that the romanticism and that no one really knows what happens after the romantic stage of love everyone sort of films especially like ignore the reality of a long-lasting yeah. loving relationship and I think what breathe did was It showed the romantic side that kept that relationship going for as long as it was. Um, And the fact that they just deeply, deeply loved each other and um, they existed in the world together. It's just.
2: I, mean, I have to ask you about another recent film which I reviewed which I really liked, Unsane. That's
0: lucky. <laughs> but that you would say I reviewed it and I hated it. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I,
2: it. I'm in on the record as really liking oh, this, good. and it was shot with an iPhone mm-hmm. by Steven Soderbergh, a mm-hmm. great director. director. I mean what is it like working on a film that is that, you know, I mean oh, on something I could pull out my phone and essentially uh, do that. That seems like an odd uh, movie to make uh, in that way, technically. Well, I think
0: it would be if it was me or you going, <laughs> act. You yeah. know? A- and I think that's the thing is that, um, I just did an actual camera, that's not what you do. <laughs> doing. Um, but anything in the hands of him yeah. is, a th- and that's just the testament to his filmmaking, is that yeah. that movie and that equipment and, and, and the technology he was using is only a movie because of his ability of to choose the shots that he was d- like I mean he did incredible things he just l- threw everything against the wall and went I'm going to make this film and it's going to be I'm going to do whatever I want and it just I think I just admire him so much I just think he is extraordinary um, but truly truly an auteur like truly an auteur like truly like a absolute filmmaker yeah at his cool
2: and it looks like a film I mean, yeah. I see it in a theater and you wouldn't know, unless I mm. knew, you know, I just didn't. But
0: it has an odd quality to it that I think yeah. it makes it, you you know there's something different about it, yeah. and it's weird and a bit off kilter, but you can't really work out, because it does add it adds a different angle, like it does make a different, have a different um, kind of perspective, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but that was amazing, because he was in the room, like as close as you are to me, and yeah. the director was operating the camera, and he was doing everything, so it meant that it was really relaxed, and it was really, there was no kind of wall. As he an actor,
2: asleep. do you like that uh, better than other experiences maybe in making films, that it might be on a bigger scale in terms of the making of them? Uh, to have yeah. that kind of intimacy with the camera? and. The
0: I mean, I love the camera. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, except if it's taking like still photographs of me, then I sort of <laughs> find it really uncomfortable. Um, but I, I have never felt uncomfortable in front of the camera. If anything, it reassures me, which is really, uh, peculiar, um, <laughs> but I with that film I, I don't like really. I don't. In, um, it's 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 a part of the job, but the distance that sometimes is created with the amount of people that are on set or. With the way that you know movie sets work or TV sets work, that, that people are isolated, or there's kind of a way of doing things, which means that the actor is sort of the last person involved. Yeah. Like I always quite like standing in and doing, like being around and being involved in the setup of the lights and stuff like that. Not that I'm helping, but I just like to be there because then you feel involved in the process. But with working with Stephen and, and that job in particular, especially after doing something like The Crown, where I felt very, very involved, but it was massive. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do something where I felt like I owned it as much as everybody else did. Like, it it was, we were all doing it together. We were all working together. Um, We were all there at early doors. We were all there at the end of the day. It wasn't like anyone was treated special or um, anything like that. So I, I really loved that part of it.
1: And I sat down with a form of royalty myself, Mr. Norman Lear. Mr. Lear was part of our One Day at a Time Contenders panel this spring, and he had a lot to say about a lot. Hoarding was one of the topics you guys <laughs> looked at this year, but you also looked at another number of topics, which is gun control, citizenship and immigration in this country, and mental health and depression. So, Gloria and Mike, you know, obviously going into season two, I'll be honest. Like, I love the show, but I think when season one came out, you have this like Norman Lear's back, and it's one day at a time's back, and there's all this stuff, and it kind of comes in. Season two is you're a TV show. You're talking about the things the show talks about. So I want to get a sense from all of you guys, specifically Mike and Gloria, is how is that evolution take place and how did you find season two? You, you got the season you wanted.
3: Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, we're both very proud of it for sure. We are very and proud of it. Everything is driven by where, you know, people coming into the room and talking about what they're talking about. These writers, both their biographies, which, you know, we uh, take from to make the stories, and then how they merge with things that are happening in the national conversation. We never set out to do an issue show, but, you know, we're all living through a time where issues are deeply embedded into our lives. So when we came into season two and into, into
1: that Being very room. polite there, Mike. <laughs> we know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Two tacos short of a combo guy. <laughs> yeah. It was,
3: uh, all I can say is when we got in there, season two, people were eager not to be like, oh my God, I saw this headline, I want to do this, but people are living some dramatic lives. Well, it's like this. the world is different. I mean, my brother called me. He We grew up in San Diego, Oregon via San Diego. And he called me up and he was like, I was at the beach and somebody told me to go back to Mexico. And he was like in shock over it because we've lived in San Diego for a gazillion years. It's right there next to Mexico. It's never a problem. It's a very liberal, uh, lovely town. Um, a lot of military who are wonderful. And it's just it blew his mind and so it's like what is going on I mean we could just feel a seismic shift and so to be able to reflect that and then hear other people's stories of like what is happening out there and how it would naturally and organically affect this particular family that's where the conversation starts a lot of the stuff that's happening out there
1: affects this particular family yeah
3: and then of course my mother keeping boxes and boxes of things is just therapy for me (laughs) we get to talk about it
1: Is there boxes of China that you're meant to inherit? There is
3: a box of China. Yeah, Yeah,
1: Yeah, I got that problem, too. (laughs) Norman, yes, for you. (laughs) So, season two, you guys now have a season three. Is this the show that you envisioned when you guys talked about bringing it back? I'd like to say it's the show I envisioned. It is the deliciousness I hoped for. It is the humanity I hoped for. And it is all of the all of the above that's delivered by Gloria, and uh, and Mike. Gloria is herself Cuban American, and this uh, family is Cuban American, so she brings the you know all of the of that culture to it. I think because I believe uh, we are just uh, you know other versions of each other that Mike and I find ourselves in this family just as much as she does, but she has the, uh, the Latino. She has who they are, and she delivers it. Well, that deserves a round of applause. <laughs> oh, I think it deserves a bigger round of applause. Justina, for you, now do you feel like You've been able to finally settle into the character. I mean, I know in season one, a lot of people are like, oh, so what's it like to work with Norman? What's it like to yes. work with Rita? Like, there's a, And valid questions, which I'm sure I asked you a zillion times. <laughs> no. But now it, it's your show. You're the, you're the lead of this show. And, and this is, comes at a certain time in your career where you've got the, the chops and the skills and you do this. How does it feel for you now, one day at a time?
4: Oh uh, yes, that's. I feels amazing. Uh, the first season, I we were discussing that I we were we kind of made the first season in a bubble. We had thirteen, you know, straight to series. We had Netflix. We we knew that we were gonna get all thirteen on. We knew that it wasn't gonna get canceled after the second or third episode. So we kind of made this beautiful show in a bubble, and then you guys got to see it, and and people responded uh, overwhelmingly. So great to uh, to our show. Then the second season I went in really nervous cuz I was like, "How are we going to top that season? You know, what are we going to do there?" So it, it uh I think that because we had such a successful second season and I I guess proved myself maybe because when you're working with Rita Moreno, you kind of have to <laughs> you have to be able to because she's so incredible and she's such a great presence. So I just, I feel like I'm in my groove now for the third season. I feel very excited. And I feel that now the questions are about, more about the show. Whereas in the the first year, it was more about, you know, Norman Lear coming back and Rita Moreno. And who wouldn't be incredibly excited about that? But now they're seeing that this is a show worthy of Norman Lear, Rita Moreno.
1: So thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And we'd like to clarify a medical point from earlier today, an assertion by Mr. Hammond. Yes. Uh,
2: I said that Robert Young for Marcus Welby was most likely the last person playing a doctor to win in this category, best actor in a drama series. But our crack research staff uh, here on assignment uh, pointed out. Crack being,
1: of course, what they're using, <laughs> not how good they are.
2: Pointed out that actually Mandy Patinkin uh, won an Emmy for Chicago Hope in this category. So congratulations to Mandy Patinkin. To you, Sal and that my friend. <laughs> and of course, you can find
1: all of our Emmy-breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. So thanks for joining us for TV Talk. See you soon. Talk to you sooner.
2: plus.